We're a profit for purpose business. We live in this capitalist society, but how can we as participants in the society make it a better place? That's why we think through profit for purpose. Hey everyone, this is Nazara Kio from Max Pro. Hi, I'm Linda. And I'm Paul. And we're Love and Pebbles. Hi, this is Lopa Vandermersch from Rasa. Oh, you're listening. And you're listening. And you are listening to, to the Harm Show. Welcome to the Ecom Show, presented by Blue Tusker, the number one place to hear the inside scoop from other e-commerce experts, where they share their secrets on how they scaled their business and are now living the dream. Now, here is your host, Andrew Maff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Ecom Show. I'm your host, Andrew Maff, and today I'm here, I am, I am here, joined by the amazing uh, Jenna Tannenbaum of Who Gives a Crap? Super excited for this one. I and a because I know Jenna. I know you are very experienced in marketing, so we're gonna have a good old nerd out on marketing. And who doesn't love a good poop joke every now and then? That I'm sure we're gonna attempt every occasionally. But Jenna, how are you doing? You ready for a good show? <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. Beautiful. Obviously, much appreciated for you joining us today. Um, I like to do the usual thing that pretty much every podcast does, and we just pretend that no one knows who you are, no one knows about who gives a crap, and I'd love for you to give us a little bit of insight into your background and obviously the business. Sure. So I'm Jenna Tannenbaum, just like you said, and I'm a growth marketer who spent basically my entire career launching and growing e-commerce, D2C, food tech, and subscription businesses. Um, I've worked with brands like Chartbeat, ClassPass. I launched my own smoothie delivery company called Green Blender. And now I'm the head of D2C Commerce and Growth Marketing at Who Gives a Crap. Uh, if you don't know who Who Gives a Crap is, I think our name kind of speaks for itself. But we sell good-looking, environmentally friendly toilet paper, paper towels, and tissues. And we actually donate 50% of our profits to sanitation projects all over the world. Um, I know, obviously, we love toilet paper. We love making a good um, pun, obviously. But the main <laughs> reason why we're in business is all about impact and the impact we're having on the people in this world and the planet. And so we actually donate, like I said, 50% of our profits. And to date, we've donated over $10 million to fund sanita sanitation projects all over the world. That is awesome. And what a very interesting category for this business to be in. Like you think like toilet paper is an incredibly competitive space. Most of the time you've just got these companies that are in, you know, grocery stores that just own an entire aisle. And then like, that's it. Obviously you being on the marketing side, you kind of know how this goes. How have you been able to really differentiate yourself from the other brands? I know it's the sustainability side. It's also the giving back, but being able to portray that message online for a product that isn't typically purchased online is not easy. And you've obviously pulled it off. So what has your uh, overall kind of approach been to, to do that? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. We really pride ourselves in taking something that's a commodity, elevating it and making it um, more fun, more enjoyable to use. So our customers love our brand. And if you look even on our hashtags on social media, so many people talk about who gives a crap and their toilet paper delivery. And I don't think I've seen 
another brand like Charmin or Angel Soft kind of coming across my feed so randomly. And so what we really do to <laughs> elevate commodity products is really to think about marrying the mission and the product and the aesthetic of what we're offering um, and, and making it have it have people feel good around their their purchase. And so being a mission driven business, we really were founded on this idea of donating 50% of our profits to sanitation projects. And so I think the brand authenticity really shows in everything that we do, because it's not just kind of like slapped on the top of, um, you know, the end of an email or, oh, shoot, we said we were going to do this, we better get it done. No, this is Everything that we do is all about our donations. Nearly every meeting we sit in, we think about what's this impact going to have in our profits? What's this impact going to have in the donations at the end of the year? And I think that the authenticity of the brand and that people are making this brand um, really shows through. And then the consumer really resonates with it. I think the biggest thing, I mean, we kind of talked before the beginning of the show, but just the changes of the digital marketing landscape and how businesses are changing. I think one of the things that's happening even over the last decade is that consumers are becoming way more savvy. And so Mm -hmm. you as a brand have to be very authentic. It doesn't matter if you're going to be mission driven or not mission driven or donate your profits or don't, don't donate your profits. But whatever you're going to stand for, you have to stand for it. Um, And you have to come across very authentically. And it can't, I think consumers can sniff out a marketing campaign from a mile away. It has to be really ingrained in who you are. How do you... How do you keep that from happening, right? Like when you look at the, the charitable aspect, there's that became... I mean, I hate to use the word trend, but it really did kind of become a trend, especially in e-commerce, probably about five or six years ago. It was like everyone was doing it. There was 500 apps where you could like all of a sudden sign up and donate to whatever. But to your point, you know, really making sure that that is the forefront of the mission as opposed to just, you know, making money. How do you actually make sure that that stands out as what your as what is your end goal as opposed to just, you know, we just threw this on there because it's a marketing ploy? Yeah. I mean, we're a profit for purpose business and we really are trying to live, you know, we live in this capitalist society, but how can we as participants in the society make it a better place? That's why we think through profit for purpose. Honestly, I hope everybody copies that business um, for us and this trendiness just becomes the status quo. And the only way that you can do business with consumers is if you are, you have kind of a give back clause and you're thinking beyond just the products that you sell and how you have an impact in the world and how you show up in the world. Um, I'm really pleased to see more and more businesses do this. And I think the biggest thing is really making sure that it's seeped into everything that you do, every conversation that you have. It really starts obviously from the top and the founding story. And if it's not part of your founding story, really making sure that there's buy-in from the top that if you are shifting into a profit for purpose business, you are understanding what that means. And you're talking about it, not just publicly, but also internally, making sure that you're saying how you are progressing in your town halls, 
making sure that you're carving out specific projects or every single project has some sort of angle to whatever your mission is. Um, It's something that has to happen in almost every conversation that you have for it to be an authentic piece of your business. It can't, it has to be the part of the mechanics of your business. I understand what you're saying. And so as a, as a growth marketer, obviously I'm imagining that's a good chunk of your business to make sure that that message is still uh, being portrayed. But what else is your day-to-day? Is your focus anywhere specific under marketing or are you overseeing a team? Like what is your, your actual approach every day when you walk into the office or if you're remote, I don't even know. (laughs) Yeah. So who gives a crap actually is a remote company and we were, a hybrid company before we, uh, before the pandemic. And so we already had a lot of that set up and my team is based all over the world. Um, and I think that's a real big advantage for us too. We, I personally am in charge of all of the online sales that happen in all of the countries that we operate in. So we're currently in Australia, the UK, Europe, and the U S and, we really try to, you know, the day-to-day work is really understanding our consumers and what they need and making sure that we are meeting people where they are. We, you know, the bigger we become, the more impact we will have in this world. And so we're really, our team, the marketing team is really driven by sharing and trying to reach people that um, would benefit. I think one of the cool things, you know, I've worked in a lot of different industries all over in my career. And one of the fun things about who gives a crap is that you don't actually have to explain what toilet paper is to people. You're not (laughs) going to be like the Uber of or whatever that is. (laughs) Like people get toilet paper. And I think that's, that's a pretty easy hurdle to get across when you're trying to have some marketing language and education. But, you know, we are... That's probably where the simplicity of what we do stops because we sell eco-friendly toilet paper. So we have to tell people that there's something different and the current rolls of toilet paper that they use is actually made by cutting down trees to make, which I didn't really think about as a consumer um, that toilet paper was made from trees. I mean, obviously it is, but I didn't think about it. So you have to educate your, you have to educate consumers that their current toilet paper, you know, there's an issue with it where it's cutting down trees. And then you have to say, well, we make recycled or bamboo toilet paper. And the problem that we are, or not problem, but the challenge we have is that you can't actually touch it. And then you also have to buy in bulk. And so we have, we spend a lot of time investing in word of mouth and word of mouth adjacent channels so that um, people have the opportunity to hear and experience who gives a crap in a non-creepy way, obviously. And so, (laughs) you know, making, encouraging our customers to share a roll of toilet paper with their friends and family um, is a great way to do it. We have people that have said they use this as a housewarming gift or a host or hostess gift when they go over to people's houses because it's just really fun and really, you know, kind of like a, interesting party. Um, yeah. And so my day to day really consists of thinking about how people are 
how our consumers are talking about our product and how we can kind of pour fuel on that fire, so to speak. I think the hardest part about being a marketer, being a growth marketer, is that obviously word of mouth is the best uh, channel that you have, um, but you can't necessarily just add more money to that channel to grow it. And so you always have to think about these other auxiliary channels um, that encourage people and have that same essence of word of mouth. So one of the things you mentioned there, which is always one of the biggest challenges that most marketers have when you're working with a brand that is a consumable, right? Like no one wants to be the first to try something that sometimes they're going to ingest. Obviously in this case, that's not the kids the scenario, but in your case, you typically have to buy in bulk. You can't just get like a roll and give it a shot. And so obviously you mentioned, you know, you kind of cater to the word of mouth side and you encourage people to, you know, gift a roll or something like that for them to try it. But how are you portraying that message? Is, is your approach like we have, you know, some automated emails that go out right after a purchase to encourage them to share it? Or is it just part of the overall marketing message? Like how do you, how do you basically communicate that you're trying to, get help from a word of mouth perspective? Yeah. I think the biggest thing that you can do or like probably the lowest hanging fruit as a brand that you can do is just ask your um, audience to share and, and make it very easy for them to do that. Up until really recently, we actually had a consumer, like a purchase post-purchase email that was in a poem that basically asked people to share or forward the email to their friends and family. Um, I think that this is a moment where you can really talk about your brand values and what really inspires people to make a purchase um, and sign up for who gives a crap. Um, We actually just did um, an interesting test where we put um, postcards in people's boxes and encouraged and a gift box in people's boxes uh, to encourage people to gift rolls of toilet paper. We've actually found that something like 60% of our customers have gifted a roll of toilet paper to their friends and family. And we thought, you know what, why don't we, what happened? What about the other 40%? Maybe it didn't even cross their mind that they could do this and it would be kind of a fun, either white elephant gift or something fun, just a conversation starter. So we ended up putting, you know, a postcard and a flat pack of, like a gift box that fits a roll of toilet paper into people's boxes and just said, Hey, this is a kind of a fun gift for people. And the more we can get people to use who gives a crap, the, um, you know, the easier, the less trees that get cut down to make toilet paper, the more money we can donate to sanitation projects. And, uh, we actually saw a really success, really successful. Not only was it a fun surprise and delight for our customers, but and they were able to provide some sort of social currency to their friends where they could uh, let them try a cool brand, let them try something different, educate them on something that they might not have known, like toilet paper is mainly made from cutting down trees, yeah, and um, provide a solution right off the bat. So we we saw that as a really big success. Our customers really loved it. And the people that got to try it again, like in a non creepy way, because we do sell toilet paper. So it is you can't have just like a street team and a toilet like around so that people can try your product. And so <laughs> uh, yeah, it was that those are the types of things that we like to think about is 
we like to go like when people zig, we like to zag. So, um, we want to grab people's attention, uh, in a way that is very unique to who gives a crap. How are you, what approach are you selling? Who gives a crap? You obviously have your own website. I know you, you mentioned you're in, uh, Australia, uh, the UK, Europe, the U S and Canada. Are you in Canada? We're not in Canada. No, not in Canada. Good. <laughs> They'll get it one day. How, uh, what channels are you selling on? Obviously you have your own site, but are you on any major marketplaces? Like I know you're overseeing the whole D to C side. So where, what channels do you kind of cater to? Well, we're mainly catering to our website, but depending mm-hmm. on the country kind of dictates where we sell. We have a very large B2B team um, that, again, this is all about word of thinking about word of mouth, word of mouth adjacent channels. Mm-hmm. We um, work with a lot of cafes and local restaurants and um, businesses, offices to supply to- their toilet paper so that, you know, you go to your local cafe, you get a coffee, you use the bathroom, you see who gives a crap in there. I mean, that's another opportunity to try the product without having to buy 48 rolls without knowing that you like it or not. Um, So we do a lot of wholesale with um, corporate businesses and we um, are in some retail in Australia and the UK too. Beautiful. Do you have any trouble? I know, you know, do you think Australia, UK, Europe, US, like, pretty similar cultures but do you have any issue with the marketing message that you're giving out whether it's like a certain joke or something like that that you publish on social or through email or anything like that that isn't that you kind of have to be careful based on who's getting it dependent on where they're at in the in the world yes of course we just because everybody speaks english or predominantly speaks english in these countries doesn't mean that um everything's going to land or um, something is going to um, have convey the same meaning specifically in the U S. So uh, who gives a crap is an Australian brand to start with. And um, mm-hmm. in the U S I mean, I, I think the word crap in the U S is a little bit jarring. I feel totally desensitized to that because I just say the word crap probably a hundred times a day. Um, plus yeah. I have two kids that think crap is like the funniest word in the whole world. And so we, I am a little desensitized to it, but I do remember starting at who gives a crap and kind of having like feeling like a little like jarring to hear the word crap kind of like tossed around. And I think that um, specifically in the U S is a thing that we have to overcome. And that's through brand um, repetition and making sure that we are consistently showing up in interesting ways that educate and entertain our audience um, yeah. so that people you know, kind of become a little more desensitized to that word crap. Um, but yes, we definitely think about the nuances of every country and depending on the channel, we have to modify our language, um, based on, you know, what people say. Yeah. Are you finding, I don't, we don't need to get this show too political, but are you finding that in the U S it is slightly more difficult with the brand name than it is like in UK and Australia? It it certainly is. I think people, even though we are (laughs) a profit for purpose business and we honestly could not be any more kind of family friendly, 
just having yeah. the word crap in your name, um, pe- some people are hesitant around. And I think, you know, all we have to do though is just consistently show up in the channels on a regular basis and people will stop, people will start not equating who gives a crap with kind of like vulgar, which is kind of funny that people would, but mm-hmm. I just remember, I remember when the iPad came out, right? And I remember all of these um, news articles coming out and people being like, what, there wasn't a single woman in the room when we named iPad and they couldn't, they had, they were equating pad with like menstruation and then people yeah. were like being like jarred around that. But then, you know, over the last how many years, 20 years since the iPad came out, you kind of are no longer making that equation. So that's kind of yeah. the, the strategy here at who gives a crap. Um, really just showing up as we are as a brand um, and seeing, you know, making sure that people know that we stand for incredibly amazing value props and we're a very authentic brand that really does care about improving the world. One of the other things I wanted to touch on um, is the the marketing channels. So obviously we talked about, you know, word of mouth. We talked a little bit about like the email marketing side. Like there's all the standard stuff. There's the one thing I know that who gives a crap is very good at, and that's the social side. So what has your social media and or like influencer marketing approach been that has allowed you to help the brand stand out in obviously all these different crowded social platforms? Yes. So I love talking about ads, ad assets, how to get that. And specifically for whoever is, you know, listening to the podcast, how you can, again, think about applying all of this to your own brand. So I, we create a lot of ads and I think a lot of brands do. I think that's just kind of the nature of digital marketing as it is. Mm -hmm. And I think it's only going to get more intense on how many assets you need every month. Just the TikTokification of the internet, where if you even think about yourself personally as a consumer, how much time or how many videos did you watch, you know, five years ago versus how many videos are you watching now? And the tolerance you have as a consumer to see the same ad more than once is just is continues to decline. <laughs> so I don't necessarily need to see. Um, only one, like the brand once, but I want to be in my ads. I want to be entertained just like I'm being entertained, you know, scrolling through TikTok or scrolling through Instagram. And so we as a brand really think about making sure we diversify our creative content sources so that we're giving our consumers or the people that are consuming our ads, something that's interesting and varied and on trend and educational or entertaining or something like that. And so I think about kind of just the creative content sources in like five different spaces, right? You have, if you're so lucky, you have your in-house creative team. And so what kind of ads do they make that will make a big impact or what can they do that nobody else can do? thinking about um, looking out for content from your super fans. So making sure you're doing social listening and you're constantly kind of combing through all of your social feeds to see if there's something good that you can repost or share Um, working with creative agencies so that you can get a different type of asset. Um, 
going through user-generated content or UGC, and then also tapping into the creativeness of your existing team. Maybe not just on your creative team, but anywhere, anyone in, you know, anyone in your company, many of them spend time on the internet. Many of them make content and whether they are in marketing or on the creative team or not. And so providing opportunities to your existing team to do some sort of hackathon or social media hackathon um, where they're making content that they think is interesting also provides a wide variety of and interesting things that you may not have thought about yourself. Yeah. I love that idea of doing like an internal hackathon. That sounds actually very interesting because you also involve people that maybe aren't traditionally on the marketing side that come in with like a fresh pair of eyes. But either way, it is very refreshing to hear you basically say everything you just said, because way too many times do I have conversations with other e-commerce sellers that have the same piece of ad creative they've been running for a year and a half. And back then, you know, you'd think it used to do okay because you used to benefit from the social proof. It would gain more likes and more comments and like, oh, this must be a really viral video. But now with, you know, TikTok and with Instagram, you're not really seeing all of that information like you once did. So um, love it. Jenna, thank you so much. I don't want to take up any of you more of your time. I really appreciate it having you on the show. I would love to give the opportunity here to let people know where they can find out more about you and obviously more about who gives a crap. Yeah, of course. So I'm on LinkedIn as Jenna Tannenbaum. So I'd love to connect with anyone there. And you can learn more about who gives a crap at whogivesacrap.org. Perfect. Jenna, thank you so much for being on the show. Obviously, everyone who tuned in, thank you as well. Please make sure you do the usual rate, review, subscribe, blah, blah, whichever platform you want, YouTube, or head over to ecomshow.com to check out our past episodes. But as usual, thank you all so much for joining us, and we'll see you all next time. Have a good one. Thank you for tuning in to the Ecom Show. Head over to ecomshow.com to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or on the Blue Tusker YouTube channel. The Ecom Show is brought to you by Blue Tusker a full-service digital marketing company specifically for e-commerce sellers looking to accelerate their growth. Go to bluetusker.com now for more information. Make sure to tune in next week for another amazing episode of The Ecom Show.